chapter 4, so take your copy of God's Word and turn there with me. Can y'all believe we've done that in 30 minutes? Now, if we can get through this one verse in 30 minutes, we'll be good. But <laughs> I don't know that we'll start in Galatians chapter 4, to be honest with you. I've got a few things that the Lord has really impressed upon my heart um, this evening that I, I really want to share with you tonight, but um, we will if we can. We, we're going to be starting there, if possible, tonight, um, Lord willing, so... Paul in Galatians 3, Galatians 4 is really hammering home his defense that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And it's not by works of the law. And he's doing that for good reason because some false teachers have come into the church and fooled some of the people of God, causing them to believe that, yeah, you can trust in Jesus, but then you've got to, if you really want to be children of God, if you really want to be pleasing to God, you've got to put yourself under the Old Testament law, under the Old Covenant. And Paul vehemently, passionately um, defends his belief, the truth, that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. If you believe that, say amen. I do too, and I'm so very, very thankful for that. Now, so let me ask you something, though. Just because good works do not save you, does that mean that good works are not important? No, of course not. And I never want you to think I'm teaching that. And, and I never want you to think that's what Paul is saying, because that's certainly not what he is saying. Paul is telling them, and Paul is telling us, tonight that we can never work enough to get saved. It's never going to happen. But if we have been saved by grace through faith, then we'll have the desire to please God in every sphere of our life, in every area of our life. Listen, I don't do the good things that I want to do because that will make me right with God. I do these good things because I've been made right with God by grace through faith. That's what Paul is teaching them. That's what Paul is teaching us. Now, where does that desire come from to please God with the decisions and choices we make in the church and in the home and at the workplace and at the grocery store or wherever else you go? What gives us that desire? Well, it all starts at the moment we are born again. How do you understand? When we are born again, we are indwelled by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says it's through the person of the Holy Spirit that we get a new nature, praise the Lord. That we are new in Christ. Therefore, if anybody be, any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We are given a new nature by the person of the Holy Spirit, and with that new nature come, comes a desire to please God. To do what God's word tells us to do. To and, and we begin to realize that serving Jesus is the only way to live. Amen. It's really the only way that life makes sense. For he is the creator of life. How do you understand? You'll never ever experience the life God has for you until you know Jesus. You won't. He's the creator of life. He knows how life is supposed to be lived. And unless you're following him, life is just not going to make sense to you. I feel so sorry for people who don't know Jesus because they don't realize the purpose God has for them. They don't realize the peace God gives them, peace for dying and peace for living. 
They don't realize the power that comes in the person of the Holy Spirit to help you in good times and in bad times. They don't realize the joy of the Lord that's unspeakable and full of glory. They don't realize that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm going to tell you something. I've got some dear brothers and sisters right here in this place, and I love you. And I know I could call on my brothers and sisters in Christ whenever I need you, and you'd be there for me. I know that. But you know what? There's no friend like Jesus. Because guess what? Even though I've got some dear friends, dear brothers and sisters in Christ right here, there's a lot of things I can't tell you. There's a lot of things I can't talk to you about. You wouldn't understand. Are you hearing me? My wife, other than the Lord, is my best friend on planet Earth. But there's even some things I can't talk to her about. She wouldn't understand. But I'm thankful. I have the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That whatever I'm going through, whatever thoughts, fears, doubts I have, I can bring it to the feet of Jesus. And he is the friend that sticks by me no matter what. It's good to know him. I feel sorry for people who don't know him. Jesus makes all the difference. Paul is not telling us, folks, that um, good works are not important. He's just saying that good works are not salvific. They're not what saves us. They're not what makes us right with God. He is telling them and he is telling us that salvation is a gift we receive and not a work we achieve. I love D.L. Moody. Let me give you one of my favorite quotes from D.L. Moody, man. Bless my soul when I read this this week. He said, I am so glad we are saved by faith in the finished work of Jesus and not by our works because I would hate to spend an eternity in heaven listening to all of us brag about how we got there. <laughs> how do you know when we get to heaven, we're not going to be able to brag about anything we've done because nothing we've done got us there. All we can brag about when we get to heaven is the finished work of Jesus. And all we ought to be bragging about right now is the finished work of Jesus. And it's so very important that we remember that. Paul is telling them and Paul is telling us that good works are not salvific, but because they're not salvific or they save you, that doesn't mean they're not important. We have got to get a hold of that. So let me answer the question tonight before we go any further. Why are good works important? I've got five things that I want to share with you from the Word of God that teaches us just how important our good works are. Number one, I love this one. Good works glorify God. Good works, as a believer, glorifies God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 5, brother, if you will, please put that on the screen for me. Starting in verse number 13, and we'll go through verse number 16. Look how the Lord puts this. He says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden excuse me, under the foot of men. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So Jesus tells us two things about who we are as believers, as his followers. He says we are salt. 
and he says we are light. Now, I'd love to spend a whole lot more time than what we're able to spend tonight on these verses because they're so very powerful. I'd like to talk to you about what that means, that we are salt and what we are, that we are light. I'm not going to go very deep with it, but I just want to give you um, what God's Word gives us right here. What does it actually mean to be salt and light? Well, he tells us in the very next verse. Look at verse number 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may do what? So how are we ultimately going to be salt and light in a world full of darkness? How? By good works. Let your light shine. How are you going to let your light shine? By doing good works. And when men see these good works, what are they going to do? Look at the last part of that verse. They will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Isn't that amazing? So why is it so important that a believer, a child of God, does good works? Well, first and foremost, so that God can be glorified. Amen? Now let me tell you this. If you're doing whatever you're doing in your service to the Lord for any other reason, other than glorifying God, just don't do it. Just don't do it. If you're serving the Lord because you think you have to serve the Lord and you're fulfilling your obligation, now let me tell you something. I do feel obligated to be faithful to the things of God. I feel obligated because he's done so much for me. Amen? But my service for the Lord has to be much more than just an obligation. Just crossing the T and dotting the I and checking that off the list. It's got to be more than that. What, my, what ought to be my main motivation, my first priority, is to make sure that what I do glorifies my Father in heaven. Amen? Because listen to me. He's the only one who deserves glory. And folks, we've all got to guard ourselves against letting the old fleshly nature creep up on us and get prideful in who we are and what we do. Because when we do that, we're no longer doing what we do to glorify God. We're doing what we do to glorify self when flesh is in control. Are you getting what I'm saying? So we've got to make sure, we've got to check ourselves regularly. Why am I doing this? What is my motivation here? I pray regularly, Lord, help me to always remember what I'm doing. I need to be doing it for your glory, not mine or anybody else's. It must be to glorify the Lord Jesus. And if we're not doing it for that, we as well as not even do it. Because it's useless, it's ineffective. There's no power in it and there's no joy in it. But when you're doing it for the honor and glory of God, man, makes all the difference. Now, number two, good works give us a platform from which we can share the gospel. They really do. You go and look throughout the gospel message of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you're going to see when they are writing to us about the life of the Lord Jesus, they're recording what he did. Many times, Jesus would meet physical needs in order to meet spiritual needs. Don't we see that over and over and over again? I mean, he'll go and, and do, perform these miracles, and first and foremost, the, 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 the number one reason why he did the miracles was so that he could show the people and us 
who he was, who he is. That's the number one priority. See, he's doing things like feeding 5,000 people the little boy's lunch and calming a raging sea and walking on water and raising up dead people and healing blinded eyes and, and deaf ears and casting out demons and causing the fig tree to wither. That's one of my favorites. Or healing the man with the, with the withered hand. I love that one. Let me tell you what I would love to see. Some of these so-called faith healers, I want to see them heal some withered hands. It's hard to do that unless God does it. Are you understanding me? You say, brothers, you mean God can't heal withered hands today? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying Jesus couldn't fool nobody on that. If you've got a withered hand and it automatically starts to come into shape and the muscles and ligaments start to work like they should when they've never worked right before, right before people's eyes, my goodness, they had to take notice and say, you know what? He's got to be of God. Only God could do that. That's why Nicodemus came to him. You remember what Nicodemus said? Teacher, we know you are come from God because nobody's doing the stuff you're doing. The people saw who he was by the work he was doing. Let me tell you something. The people see who we are by the work we do. Amen? And when we do these works... Just like Jesus, it gives us a platform to then share about the kingdom. I mean, Jesus would, would uh, do all these miraculous things, and then people would come to see the miraculous things. And yeah, he did some of that, but guess what he did then? He'd preach to them about the kingdom. He'd give them things that would not only fix their physical situation, but more importantly fix their spiritual condition. And that's what makes all the difference. One thing that I love about going on mission trips with Hope Mission is his, how he feels, what his ideology is about mission work. Because not everybody has that same outlook on mission work. He said, and the first time I ever went with him, me and Brian went to uh, Haiti with him two years in a row. And I'll never forget what he said before we left. He said, let me tell you something. We're going to go down and we're going to build some houses because there's plenty of houses to build. People are homeless there. And he said, we're going to go down and we're going to feed some hungry people because there's a lot of hungry people there. And if we can carry clothes and uh, we're going to carry clothes down with us and, and leave it with them because there's people there who have no, nothing to put on their body. And he, he said, you know what? We're going to carry down laptops for these pastors so that they can get teaching that they need to lead their congregations. He said, we're going to do all this stuff. He said, but if that's all we do, if that's all we do is meet those needs, then we've missed the whole point of mission work. Because guess what? You go down and you build a house. Let me tell you what's going to happen one day. That house will deteriorate, crumble, and fall. You go down and you feed hungry bellies. Now, is it good to build a house? Absolutely. Changes lives. But you go down and you feed hungry bellies. Guess what? Tomorrow they're going to get hungry again. Now, let me ask you. Is it good to feed hungry bellies? Absolutely. Absolutely. You go down and you do all of these good works. That's fantastic. He said, but all of these good works that we do, that just gives us the platform to share the message of Jesus. And you know what I believe? I believe when you share the gospel coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, lives are changed. Hey, addictions are broken. People 
come out from under the bondage of their sin and are set free by the power of God when they trust in the Lord. Now listen, that don't just fix their physical situation. When they trust in Jesus, that fixes their spiritual condition. And when their spiritual condition gets fixed, that fixes eternity. So, so we're not just going to make a difference for a week or however long we go on the mission field. We're going to make a difference for eternity by sharing the glorious gospel of Christ. However, it's hard to preach to somebody if they don't know you love them. Would you agree? As a pastor, I found that out. I mean, I can get up here and spit and holler and point fingers and do all that stuff, but if people don't know you love them, I can read scripture, quote it, memorize it, and I can give it to you, but if people don't know you love them, then all of it's for nothing. People don't care how much you know until people know how much you care. Are you getting me? I'll never forget, man, the first year we went to Haiti, we went to a village called Nonwash. Nonwash is out in the middle of the, well, just pretty much a jungle. And we're walking through this place, just little pig trails and footboards, walking over creeks and back in the middle of nowhere. I mean, we didn't know where we was going. Probably walked, honey, how long? Probably three, four miles, I guess. Just stopping at houses along the way sharing with people the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing was, there wasn't a church in this area. That's why they wanted us to go there. You know, one thing that I found out on the mission field, if you're an American, sometimes that gets you into places nothing else will. You know, and just because you're an American, some of them has never seen an American, you know, and so they'll let you in to share with them uh, just because of who you are, you know. And, and so that was kind of what they were doing. They were sending us out into this new place, that uh, had, had not really had any evangelism done and there wasn't a church there. And so we're going around sharing the gospel. Man, the Lord is blessing. And you know what I found out? We got out there and we met some believers. There's believers everywhere you go. We met some people who had trusted in the Lord, man, and come to faith in Christ. And we, we had church with them for a little while and then we'd go to the next house and we got get to uh, share the gospel with somebody who had never heard of Christ before. It was amazing how God was working in that. And we go to this one little old lady's house, man, and she's sitting out in her yard when we get there. And we walk up and through the interpreter, I told her that we had came from America, came from a very long way, and we just wanted to share with her the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so she said, yeah, that's fine. And so we start sharing with her the message, you know, and, and went all the way through it, man. And I, I felt like we had a, a really good visit there. And after I got done, I'll never forget what that woman said. It's stuck in my memory. It's been burned in my memory. The first thing she said after I had preached the gospel message to her, told her how much Jesus loved her and how much we loved her and while we were there how much she needed forgiveness of her sin and how Jesus had paid the sin debt for us all and she needed to trust in him. After I'd finished with all of that, she looked at me and she said, do you have anything to eat? I'm starving. Now, they're starving and your starving is different. My starving is I hadn't had anything to eat in about an hour and 15 minutes. They're starving 
is they don't know if they're going to eat today and tomorrow ain't looking good either. It's just different. But I realized what that woman was thinking. All right, here's this rich American. Y'all know you're rich, don't you? Every one of you in this place are rich. I've seen what poor looks like. All us rich. We all rich. And, but this rich American standing before me, telling me how much he loves me and how much Jesus loves me, but his shoes cost more than anything I've got put together. House, clothes, possessions. And she said, I need something to eat. Broke my heart. We go back and tell Brother Sean that night that what this lady said. He said, well, we can fix that. We took up an offering, went to the local market and bought, I think, what, 500 pounds of rice? And we just divvied all that up and went back the next day and handed out rice. Now, the next year, we go back to the same place. When we go back the next year to the same place, guess what's happened in Nonwash? There's a church been started. A pastor has been called. And God is saving souls in Nonwash. Let me tell you why. Because God blesses the preaching of his word and God uses his people to show love to others. Are you hearing me? Good works give us the platform to share the gospel. Number three, doing good to others fulfills the command of Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men would should do to you, do even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus said, if you want people to do good to you, what are you supposed to do to them? Do good to them. Let me ask you this. If you want people to be kind to you, what do you need to do to them? Let me tell you something else. It don't cost you a dime to be kind. People who are rude and unkind rub me the wrong way really fast because it don't cost you a dime to be kind. You hear me? It don't. Don't cost you a dime. Be kind. Hey, listen. If you want people to respect you, what do you need to do? Respect them. You say, well, Brother Israel, I just don't know that I can respect them. They do this and they do that. What have you done? What have you done? They're doing this and they're doing that and they're living this way. How have you lived? Where were you at when grace found you? Where could you be at right now if grace had not found you? I shudder to think where I would be right now if Jesus hadn't changed my life. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be here. I promise you that. But praise the mighty name of Jesus. He's made a difference in me. And if he's done it for me, he can do it for somebody else. So show him some respect. Every man deserves a measure of respect because every eye you look in, man, woman, boy, or girl, is someone Jesus died for. 
Think about it like that. As somebody's mama or somebody's daddy or somebody's brother or somebody's sister. So do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Let me ask you this. How would that change the world if we just practiced that tomorrow? <laughs> do you see how simple this stuff is? Jesus gave us simple, practical solutions to the biggest problems we face today. I love it. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. What he's saying is, you be the change you want to see in somebody else. But it starts with you. It starts with me. It fulfills the command of Jesus when we do good to other people. Number four, good works separate us from the world. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2. Turn your Bibles there. I want you to see this one. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse number 9. We'll go from verse 9 um, to verse number 12. Watch what the Bible tells us. But you are a chosen generation. I'm going to say that again because you must have missed that. You are a chosen generation. Amen. <laughs> are you kidding me? You mean the God of heaven and earth chose me? Yes, he chose you too if you're a child of God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Again, we went from being a pauper who had nothing to being princes. Jesus said kings, a holy priesthood. Amazing. But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. What does it mean to be peculiar? Does it mean to be weird? Well, who's, who said that? Set apart, absolutely. Now, again... You may look weird sometimes by the decisions and choices you make to a lost and dying world, but peculiar here don't mean strange or, um, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Because sometimes I think that's what people who profess the name of Christ actually think because they look kind of weird to me. Right? What he means is set apart. Set apart. We make different decisions than the world makes. We believe unlike the world. Therefore, we act unlike the world. I got a good friend of mine a few years ago. We was at work talking about, well, it's been quite a, quite a while now because it's when Peyton and Eli Manning were playing football. And they never got to play one another much. You know, it was... It was very seldom because they were in different conferences, different divisions, that, that, that they were able to play one another. And, and so, somehow they were playing one Sunday, Peyton and Eli playing against one another. And, and that was two of my favorite all-time quarterbacks. That was two of his favorite all-time quarterbacks. He loved football. I love football. And we were talking about it on Friday um, uh, before we left work. And, and he's telling me about, man, he can't wait till Sunday. And, boy, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. He was a big Peyton fan. He thought Peyton was going to beat Eli. Turned out Eli beat Peyton. <laughs> but he was, just, he was just, man, he was on it, you know. And I was too. And he said, are you going to watch it? And I said, well, if I get home from church in time. He said, dude, I ain't missing this. I said, well, I, if I get home from church and everything works out, yeah, I'm going to watch it. But I got, we're going to church Sunday. No, I ain't missing this, man. Now, let me tell you what he was, he was going towards. He thought it looked crazy. 
that I wasn't going to watch Peyton and Eli on Sunday and I was going to go to church. This didn't make sense to him. Didn't make sense to him. Looked kind of strange to him. Right? Looked peculiar to him. So we may look strange, but that don't mean we ought to be strange people. It means we ought to be people set apart for the purpose of God. Separate from the world. And doing good works separates us from the world. When I'm talking about the world, I'm not talking about uh, merely the people. I'm talking about the world system that is against God and against his truth. When I'm, when I'm saying world, I'm not telling you that we ought to have the mindset that it's us and them. Because that's not the way this works. Do you understand that? It's not us and them. It's just all us. And all of us are just trying to find some peace. And all I am is one beggar who's found bread trying to find another beggar who needs bread. Are you getting me? So I'm not talking about separate yourself from lost people. How are you going to win the lost if you separate yourself from lost people? How are you going to do it? You don't have to do the things they do and act the way they act and say the things. I get that. Be separate. But don't separate yourself. Love them. Pray for them. Help them. That's what you need to do. That's what he's called us to do. Man, I, I grow so tired of this pharisaical, legalistic, sitting up on your spiritual high horse, looking down on others. Stop it. That's, that's not, no. That don't help people. That hurts people. It turns them away from the things of God. We should be separate from the world, but not separated if that makes sense to you. Does it make sense? Number five, good works make a difference. Do you believe it? Makes a difference. Makes a difference. I'm just going to close with this. I'm going to give you some practical ways you can make a difference tomorrow. It's not going to be hard. Listen, it may seem like really small things to you. You know what i come to find out? Small things done at the right time for the right reason in the right situation, to the right people, make all the difference. You say, well, brothers, well, how am I going to know it's the right time, it's the right people, in the right situation, for the right reason? I'll tell you how. Be spirit-led. Listen, listen. Be ready for the nudge. You're, has that ever happened to you? When God nudges you along? When God puts somebody on your heart and nudges you along to pray for them, when God nudges you along to do something good for somebody else, and you know it's God, you just follow that nudge. Follow that nudge. Good things done for people at the right time, for the right reason, in the right situation, make all the difference. Maybe little to you, but it can be huge to them. It can make all the difference for them. You never know. You never know what someone is going through. You may be around a lady tomorrow that's been fighting with her husband all night last night and she just needs a friendly voice and a friendly face to talk to. Are you getting me? You may never know that you are talking to a daddy tomorrow who is going through absolute torment with his children. And you don't know where to do, what to do and where to go or what, or what to say and he's just at a loss. And man, he's prayed all night and he just don't know what he's going to do to fix this situation. 
You never know what's going on in somebody else's life. So these, these simple, practical things can make all the difference. Let me give just a few of them. First of all, say good morning. All right? Say good morning. I do this just sometimes just to uh, have preaching material. A lot of times I'll pull up at the main red light in Hamilton, and while I'm sitting at that red light that never changes, you know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> it looks as though, as bad as I hate that red light, and working for the highway department, we can get something done with that. But it don't look like we can. I've tried my best. and It ain't, work, it ain't working. It ain't happening. But man, that red light, sometimes I feel like it holds you 10 minutes. And I, while I'm sitting there at that red light, I wave. I'm talking about big wave. And if they ain't looking, I honk my horn at them. And I wave at them. Everyone that goes by. It's amazing how unhappy people are. <laughs> Have you ever noticed it? Hey, nothing wrong with saying good morning. Just say good morning. Smile when you see people. Nothing wrong with that. Be kind. How about paying for somebody's lunch? I was at the drive-thru. When was it? Two or three weeks ago. And somebody in the drive-thru in front of me paid for my lunch. And when I pulled up, the lady said, the person that was in front of you paid for your lunch, and she told me to tell you Jesus loves you. And I said, yes, he does. Praise the Lord. <laughs> I needed to hear that that day. You know? That seemed like a very small thing. It wasn't like 550-something that I was getting. But that meant a lot to me in that time. You know? It really spoke to my heart. Pray for people and let them know you're praying for them. That's good. I love when people tell me, I'm praying for you. Praise God. Man, if you're praying for me, the power of God can be released upon my situation. That's what I need. That's what I need. And so a lot of times, man, you know, when God prompts me to do so, when I feel that nudge, when God puts someone in my heart, have you ever woke up in the morning and somebody just be on your heart? And you think, what's going on, man? And you're just thinking about that person all day and you wonder why, because you ain't seen them in a while, you ain't talked to them in a while, but they're on your mind. I mean, that don't just happen. See, I believe that's God the Holy Spirit laying those people. You ever heard somebody say, my grandma used to say this all the time, boy, the Lord laid somebody on my heart. I've been praying for them all day. I know what she means by that. When God does that, hey, pray for them that day, man. Bring them before the Lord. Let them know, I'm praying for you today. That makes all the difference, I'm telling you. Send an encouraging text. Take you five minutes. Bless somebody's day all day long. Tell them how much you love them, how much God loves them. That's a good thing. Be a good listener. Be a good listener. Sometimes I struggle with this because I got a big mouth. Because I really like to talk. And sometimes I think I'm smarter than what I am. And that gets in my way. And God's had to humble me with that. But you know what I found out for a lot of folks? They're not looking for an answer. A lot of times they're not looking for advice. A lot of times they just want somebody to hear them. Just hear them. Just hear them. Now if they ask for advice, pray and let God give you some advice to give them. You understand me? But a lot of times it's good just to be a good listener. A lot of times what I do, I listen so I can respond. I don't listen because I care. Guard against that. 
Guard against that. I'm already thinking about what I'm going to say with somebody. Instead of actually listening to what's going on with them and why they feel about what they feel, I'm already thinking about how am I going to come back at it. You know? Be careful with that. Be a good listener. Come to church. That's a good work, isn't it? You can do some good work. Just come to church. Come to church. Pray for your pastor. Pray for people. Listen, worship the Lord. Man, don't use the worship service as just a segue between Sunday school and preaching. Get in here and tell God how good he is. Tell him thank you. Do it like you mean it. Worship the Lord. Come to church. Bring somebody with you. Invite somebody to come with you. That's a good work. Like I've said before, church does not save you, but church is a great place to get saved. Pray for the Lord to open doors for ministry that only he can open. And then, when he does, be spiritually bold enough to step through it. Do that. Pray every day. God, give me some way, somebody that I can help today. Give me somebody that I can witness to today. Help me to say the right thing. Give me clear direction. Man, it's so important. Give to a worthwhile ministry. I got a letter that Brother Scott brought me tonight from Preborn. I don't know if we told you this or not, but um, we had some money. Because a lot was, um, a lot of stuff wasn't going on in this past church year, 2020, we had some money left over in our benevolence fund that we had budgeted here at the church. And so what we did is took the rest of that money and donated it all to preborn. How much did we give, brother? Do you remember? Was it 1000 750 okay. I knew it was somewhere around there. but um, Anyway, y'all know what preborn is, where they, they take these mothers who are wanting to go get abortions and give them sonograms, and like 80%, almost 80% of these women who see their babies for the first time on a sonogram don't have an abortion. And a large majority of those women actually come to faith in Christ because they just don't give them a sonogram, they give them Jesus. And it's so cool, man. I love that ministry. But anyway, we, we, uh, we gave to that. And then they sent us a thank you card back telling us how much they appreciate us giving to the ministry. They needed that money, and it's helping women. It's helping babies. It's making a difference. I got another card today from uh, the, the family of Randy's family, from Miss um, Mary Mays. You know, we had our several of our church folks come, and, man, they, they ran the sound, and, played the music and, and at another church now, served in the kitchen and, and got all that done for us when Brandy's grandmother died. And we had texts and calls and uh, food brought to the house and prayers went up and it's amazing when you're a part of a loving church family. And Peggy and Steve and, and Ken and Ernestine wrote us a thank you card and I've got it at home. I'll bring it Sunday and put it on the bulletin board. It's good to give to worthwhile ministries. Amen? And if you think some worthwhile ministries going on at this church, give. And we're going to give Sunday to another worthwhile ministry. It's called Safe Place. Safe Place of Marion County. Safe Place is a shelter for battered and abused women and children. And so what we're going to do is take up a special offering for some things that they stand in need of. What I was going to do is put a list of all this stuff in the bulletin, but I, I don't think that's going to be the wisest thing to do because they probably know what they need better than we know what they need. And so I just want to give, write them a check, 
and then they can go buy what they need when they need it. Sound good? So if you'd like to give to that ministry, that's a good thing. We'll do that Sunday morning. Okay? Let's do some good work. It don't save us, but we are saved. Let's get busy being the hands and feet of Christ. Anybody got anything, comments, or questions? All right. If not, Scott Robertson dismisses, brother. <laughs>